Greetings, ladies and mentalgents, and welcome to the latest chapter of Oz Magica, taken from the subreddit HFY. All the relevant links are down below, and please like, comment, and subscribe like any good minion of the algorithm would do. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 55 I poked him again. Are you sure that'll wake him up? I mean, uh, he just fainted. It's not like I conked him on the head or anything. I pressed my finger against the scaled temple. It almost felt a bit malleable as I pushed it, but it always went right back to the same shape when I stopped. Weird. Why do you use the shaman magic on him? Well, I think uh, my regenerate, regenerate only affects physical things like wounds, cuts, and that kind of thing. I don't really think it would handle something mental like this. Then again, magic is magic, so what it can do isn't really set in stone. Gone. I wish somebody could teach me about spells something. Why did he faint anyway? I showed him this. At that, I turned towards the sitting wolf and pushed the same class sheet I'd shown to Credence over to him. Strangely, it almost seemed like it didn't want to disappear. Then Kojo touched it, and then it vanished. Hmm, class choices, huh? Usually, we only have three available to anyone. Stumbling out of my brief confusion, I nod my head towards him absentmindedly, still facing the downed lizard man. Why do they only ever have three? Nah, I'll find out later. Seems a bit venomous about it. Yeah, he seems surprised by the rarities. Again, I don't necessarily know how good any of these things are. I don't really know what rarities are supposed to be. But out of all of these, three stand out to me immediately. At that, I perked up and turned my head towards him. Really? Why? Incredulity tinged my voice as his face almost morphed into a slight irritation. Some of the others, they, they don't seem to fit you. Jet wizard just really means fast wizard to me. You are already plenty fast, so I don't see what it could give you. A cleric doesn't fit, since you're not really the kind of person for it to work out all too well with. Bastion just seems like a big defense-related class, with nothing to help in future hunts. I don't really know what a reader is, but it sounds somewhat boring. An druidic warrior often has a spoke of horror within it. For many get turned into blunts if they do something wrong to offend nature while they hold the class. For the other ones that I actually like, it's because of the tales and the elders, mostly from the clan. At my silence and continued staring, his eyes almost seemed to widen in recognition of something. W would you like to hear? I shook with excitement as I nodded my head. I mean... I kind of want to hear some good stories from these wolves. It's not like we had anything better to do anyways, with the lobster mobile out of juice. All right, then. I'll go just start with Warlock, then. Once a long time ago, there lived three pups who were friends. They were dutiful in their duties towards their clan. One was a healer. One was a healer who was able to find almost anything that could cure the griefs of illness and the shortness of blood. One was a warrior who was able to fight any battle and emerge victorious, even with the loss of life and limb. Finally, 
The last one was clanless. He had been without it since his birth, and thus not assigned any role or job within the clan which took him in. In short, he had to learn his place amongst them. One day, he heard a story from a historian, stating that a great beast with the most tasteful flesh lived strides up the river inside a cave. For it was their job to record all the clan had met and all the clan had been taught. So he sought to prove himself and wandered away from the clan and safety to brave against dangerous waters and hostile forests. He could not win every battle that had been thrown against him, as he was up against beasts and monsters that he had not seen of nor heard before. But still he pressed on, battling his hunger and his blood loss. He managed to stave off hunger, only to succumb towards tainted flesh and become ill. He sought the same medicines as his friend had once taught him, but no plant was familiar, and any he recognized were only ever poisonous. Finally, he arrived at the cave entrance at night, overshadowed by the dark water's darkness. He entered and prowled, hoping, beyond hope to earn himself a place in the clan. Then he saw it, haunched almost praying towards something that he could not see, whispering words that he could not hear. As he approached, the silence almost seemed to grow louder. As his steps slowly faded from his ears, his breathing still, and his eyes began to lose all sense of color. Then the beast Dirt. Why are you here? To earn my rightful place in my clan. He had spoken the truth. Even if you wished to say all else and do anything else, his actions were restricted within the space. What have they done for you? They have raised me and sheltered me from the cold dark. It nodded, satisfied at the answer, before motioning towards the statue before it. Then eat and be satisfied. At first, he was ecstatic. The beast had seemed almost all too powerful for him to take down. For something of its ilk to give up its life would make it age without measure and sad beyond compare. However, as he walked towards the beast, he noticed that his mouth was not opening, nor his feet taking him to where he was meant to go. It was taking him to the statue, and once he had gotten in front of it, he opened his mouth and bit into the granite. At that moment, he realized that what was before him had been bitten before, but was before him had the others like him before. What was before him would have others like him later, as he finished chewing the rock. He carried a piece of it in his stomach, seething with raw power. His back straightened, his claws lengthened, and his eyes shone, and his coat became black as night. Once the changes had stopped, he turned, upset at what had occurred, only to notice the beast was not there. No one was. Frustrated with how it seemingly made him eat a rock, he left the cave and prepared to head home. However, as time went on, he began to notice less and less of his changing. Before long, the memory of why he was out there was gone, replaced by a single voice talking to him telling him what must be done. He arrived back at the clan, 
Everyone had been surprised at first, but eventually they had gotten used to it. They had thought perhaps that he found himself a magic flower, as back then they were far more plentiful affair. But it was something much worse. As time went on, the voice became louder, desperate, despairing, devilish, until finally the voice was no longer separate. The clan vanished the next day. The only ones to survive were the other two pups, spared from the cunning. They had arrived back from a hunt and a gathering to find that no one was left. No blood was spilt, but no note of departure was left. Food still sat on rocks, and no sound of the forest could be heard. They saw it, etched upon the High Elder's rock, meeting being poured into their minds and scenes of the cunning etched into the memories. I have grown beyond what I was. The clan had only one purpose left to me, and they fulfilled it. Souls and bones offered up to the great master on high. He let me spare you. Do not look for me, but he will not let me again. That's it. Kind of, um... Aren't tribal stories supposed to have morals or something? Uh, What kind of children's story is that? Maybe it's just meant uh, to don't go out alone, Uh, but, um... What does that have to do with warlocks? He was the first of our kind to become one. He was also the last. That is the only story concerning him. Okay, so creepy voice in head controlling my every move in exchange for dope magic skills, yeah... Uh, No thanks, Uh, dear god. Why do you like this story? His face almost seemed to contort in anxiety as he turned his head away from me. I used to think that it was basically a loner type of class, and that I might be able to make it work if I found anything for it. Then I realized that perhaps it's not the best path for me, since the clan war... Ah, it reminded him too much of when his own kind had been taken over. Although, I don't know if it was a mental one, or perhaps a soul-like takeover. Wasn't really able to tell the difference back then. Alright then, what's the next one? Monk. The silence seemed to spread out as my expectations for another story were dashed. I waited for a fair bit in silence, but he neither spoke back to me, or brought his head back to meet my eyes. Are you not going into another story? No. Most of their stories, I believe, have been corrupted. Monks were once plentiful in the past, as our bodies are often easier to harness than other forces work. Although nowadays they almost don't exist. From what I know, without a doubt, they mostly just focus on soul-like abilities. Why do you sound incredulous at that fact? Souls aren't really talked about, often in tales. They seem like something important, but we have forgotten why. Thus, the class fell out of favor. Oh, that's, um, okay, um, won't get into it with him. Seems like a big cultural thing, and souls weren't really all that important in modern society either. Mostly religions and stuff, but that's been on the downturn since Melding's been getting closer. Uh, the other one? I... I've only heard of it once, and it's a story that's passed down, but it does not pertain to my clan at all, nor any I know of in current day. Are you still sure you want to hear it? If the warlock one pertains to his clan, and this one doesn't, does that mean that this tale is from another wolf clan lost ages ago, or from a different kind of beast? Either way, 
kind of be intrigued. Sure, go ahead. Ever since the birth, the low was the only known four emotions. Fear, happiness, sadness, and anger. He always tried to maximize his happiness as often as he could while keeping his others in check. Anger and fear were useful to him to help better his reflexes in the face of danger to himself or others. While he tried to embrace sadness when it came in its flooding emotions, roiling with others of his kind and shared memorial. However, there were other times that he would get something he didn't know, a thing for which no name existed, or could ever exist for most children of Onda, which had recently known of its holy domains of beasts and wilds. As time went on, he tried to focus more on this emotion, rather than the happiness for which he was known for in his youth. It was addicting to him, almost as much as partaking in the dillweed or therbroma. He often found this emotion not from company of others, but simply nature itself. When he was alone, this feeling often manifested almost bereft of nothing as he stared at the sky and the earth beneath his feet. Eventually, his introspections about the feelings became almost silent as his examinations brought him the stuff of the sea, the sky, and the earth. Of steelfish swimming amongst red waters, carving portions into artistic expressions, of faraway birds and misty clouds which they inhabit and are birthed from within the sky, of pebbles and bugs singing trees and dancing grass and other seldom-seen wonders of the earth. He questioned more beyond that, one more towards why. In that essence, he became the first to leave his home and his family, leaving the hillside in which he often sat upon and stared at the floating fires dancing in the sky, thinking about patterns they held, and wishes his elders spoke of their promises, becoming utterly silent as he wandered, content to think his thoughts and only talked when he wished as he went. He roamed the land, treading through the pebbles and gravel, sloshing through waters and wastes, and eventually, finding himself, risen above all that he even soared amongst the skies, Throughout it all, he forgot food and water and most basic of needs, completely deriving himself of his one emotion, this one feeling that he named Aberration, and thus earned his title of Delu of the Aberrant, which drove him to find out whys of the world instead of the whats, and most beast folk are often to do. As there are often some which feel this emotion, know that you are not alone, for he sits there, watching over all from the vault of blue, guiding you further towards him or more away. Ah, kind of, um, it seems like an old version of a philosopher, or maybe one of the hermits that would have lived in ancient Europe. Hmm, maybe, no. I don't even want to know what kind of... Pick it. My musings almost grew silent as I was brought out of my stupor from Kojo's interruption from his retelling. What? About a question, if any, parted my lips, as I thought I had misheard. How could he even know what the right choice was? Could you just pick it, please? Desperation of assault seemed to fill his husky voice, 
but something in me told me not to immediately decide upon what to do and instead question his decision about this. Even if he shouldn't know about most of these classes, it doesn't really seem like it's some kind of combat class which I thought I'd need. More like one of those exceptional community ones. Although, community doesn't seem to describe it accurately. Why? My question seems to caught him off guard as he stands up from his sitting posture to walk next to me and sitting back down. The way I see it, Silent Wanderer is perhaps a self-sustainable option. One has to be strong enough to deal with any problem that the world might throw at it, especially if it is across the entirety of the world. Thus, if you pick it, you can handle almost anything coming your way. His logic. I won't say it's wrong, but then reasons tales are not accurate accounts of history. Distortion often happens if you have something reaching so far into the past. But I think if it's what I'm thinking... Ah, screw it. Just go. Be bold, man. I pick... Silent Wanderer. You have chosen Silent Wanderer as your second class, calculating previous class experience. You've earned 22 levels in Silent Wanderer. You've earned 220 PP for doing class-related actions. Restrictions regarding knowledge about this class have been lifted. Requirements. High evolved spirit-related skill. Incessant questioning about the ways of the world. Intelligence greater than 50. Wisdom greater than 40. Personal level equal to or greater than 75. Class level equal to or greater than 25. Notice, as you have chosen to be a silent wanderer, know that you are now under the effect of vow silence. You may no longer speak about the details regarding this class or any information that this class may give you until you either evolve the class or are able to get rid of your vow of silence through any high-ranked god. Starting skills, Inspira-era. Recipient already has Inspiration. Inspiration's level has been increased by 10 as compensation. Inspiration's pain inducement has been decreased by 50% as compensation. Knowledge of the world. Cost. All AP and half health. The world is a big place with lots of things living within it and contributing towards the way of the world. However, there are certain things that are below the surface of the ocean of knowledge which no mere being could know, nor even think to know. As such, a price must be paid to understand something not meant for mere mortal minds. However, if it is a simple matter that one can know anything you would wish to know with half the cost and none of the pain. However, there is a strict limit of one use a day, for any more will bring a wrath of the heavens upon you. This innate ability does not level up, nor even has one. It is a heavenly ability, which you have access to for the duration of your class. Continued usage of this ability allows one to hone more PP from doing regular class-related actions. Legacy There are currently two uses of this class within the world. There have been 45 uses of this class in the past, not including the current state of the world. Due to epic rarity, this class has obtained a legacy. You may tap into any past user's memories with enough PP to have a conversation, live a version of their life to better hone your own skills, or have them perform an action in your stead instead of spending it on a regular pool of skills that would be available to you. Just know that you have a privilege now. The spirit of the world expects you to uphold it. Oh. Oh, crap. End of chapter. Chapter 56. That's, um, uh, quite good, I think. I mean, uh, 
It only let me have one extra skill since I already had the one, but uh, then again, it's uh, the class skill, apparently. If I hadn't gotten it, then I would never have been able to have the class. Or at least, I think that's how it's wording itself. Plus, I get a skill pool. That's neat. Uh, I mean, uh, I would have gotten it anyway, considering all classes come with it. That aren't homemade like my original one was. Uh, or at least, um, I assume so. I'm probably going to have to wait a ball for. I might get my available skills, though. Given that I don't even know how to access it yet, plus, um... Some of the statements here have got me asking some real important questions that have been confused about Credence's previous explanations. Hmm, I wonder if, um, why is the amount of people in the class so low, if it's an epic rarity? Shouldn't it have more people considering the rarity basically determines how many people have it? Or something? Question chain received. Automatically activating knowledge of the world. Question deemed not out of restriction level, subcategory with in-class knowledge. No HP reduction necessary. No contact with center panopticon necessary. No limitations regarding usage needed. Basis of question, class rarity and its relation to rarity scale. Answer. This class is restricted towards certain species, that being most beast and some bide. It is unlisted in the requirements. As species requirements for classes are already understood by the majority of conscious beings within the world of Mundus in Ordo, as they would not be offered if their species was within the list of restrictions. In addition, those species who do have access towards this class often have different priorities towards their continued existence because for classes such as these, that being the high restricted restricted ones above rarity of rare often have little to no starting value towards those with classes already working for them at higher levels that they start with. The rarity scale still holds up, as it is just its general scale for classes aimed towards the entirety of the populace. In short, this class's rarity discrepancy is a case of misunderstanding between those who are able to take the class and those who actively take the class. Gained 2pp for answers difficulty, use of knowledge of the world will still be available for the day due to the question being under the subcategory of within-class knowledge. Huh. So it doesn't even need a prompt. I just think a question to the skill and then it answers it. That's convenient. I thought that I'd have to ask out loud, but I guess who works as well as my unspoken ones. Also, some classes ban certain species from them. Kind of racist, but then again, might not be able to even have something like an aerial ace if you don't have wings. Oh, a little fuzzy thing there. Must have been a real class then, instead of a fake example in my head. Now, uh, the real question is, what should I do with this? So, did anything happen? I look up to find Koja inches away from my face, inspecting the area around me. Was there supposed to be a change? Got the class, sir, uh, but didn't really do much. Uh, got access to... My voice cuts out. Not of my own volition, but something constricts my throat in a mere second. Then it was gone as fast as it came. Well, that's not good. Guess the vowel science is pretty good at its job. You okay? Kojo's face seems to notice me stopping. Although I can't whether or not he thinks something I did or something held against me. Yeah, the class has a vowel Vowel silence. silence. Wait, I was able to say that? Huh. Gojo seemed to ponder this before nodding to himself. Makes sense. It's in the name. 
Guess I can't know what you do with your claws, eh? I nodded at his words before I focused towards the still snoozing salamander, laying upon the floor, slightly kicking him. So, what do you think we should do now? Kojo seems to think of it before staring back through the doorway of the bedroom straight at the control panel for the mecha lobster. Well, uh, you could always drive it. I, uh, should probably give some thoughts to that idea. I mean, uh, I have a lot of stat points, and I could just allocate towards either my intelligence or my wisdom. I mean, I've been putting off the wisdom 50 milestone for a while, and, uh, it could give me something that would help me with the, uh, wait, I think something's wrong here. Why is wisdom of all stats used for storage? Shouldn't that be the other way around? For realizing the disparity within your own knowledge, you have received plus two wisdom. Oh, it's been a while since something like that happened. Guess that it was probably an increase due to the effect the newcomer title had. But something's wrong with my knowledge. Focus on that tidbit a little later, Dave. Kojo's looking at you for an answer. No, I don't think I can. Besides, didn't Credin say that it needed 500 mana per second? I couldn't reach that even if I put all my free stats into intelligence. I'd need 250, or at least a higher level in mana, mana compression. compression. I couldn't easily do that. Well, he did say there were devices helping it with reaching that amount, didn't he? That might just mean that it needs only a little from you. Or at least it might. How would a... Uh... Oh, I think I see what it's talking about, I think. We don't know what those devices give, since Credence himself was almost a mana sponge before his change. He'd probably have the output more than he thought he would need, given that he'd always absorbed back some of it. So, I guess I can try and do it myself. Just would need to bump up my wisdom. Maybe I could try and get some free points for it, huh? Nah, too unreliable, even with the hint from before. I bring my body towards the control panel. It's not, I'll be honest. I have absolutely no idea what any of the levers or buttons do. However, if it just turned itself off from lack of mana, if I give it back, then it should just, uh, do whatever it was doing before, right? Uh, yeah, it's logic sound. I press myself against the control panel, trying to follow the lines of mana coursing through it, looking for, aha, there it is, a loose end. What? If I try and inject it wherever, it would act as a third connection and probably end up shorting out some of the connections in here. I took some courses in electrical engineering, I know what I'm doing. For applying knowledge correctly towards a field of study in which you have little or no knowledge of, you've gained two wisdom and two intelligence. Oh, that's really close to hitting the 50 mark right there. Only really need one more before... No, focus. Not what's important right now. More walls been getting further and further away with each passing moment, okay? So, uh, mana manipulation. This fine-tuning, I mean... All I've got in terms of magic is doing some fancy hand-waving and making it somewhat a spear. From my prior tests, I don't know how long mana lasts outside of a container before being absorbed by the background, so I have to get as close as possible. My view of the cockpit darkens as I close my eyes and breathe, trying to focus on my meditation to better handle my connection. And there, a little wisp appears in front of me. It's my color, although it's somewhat tinged with the yellow from absorbing the weird spell thing that the guy did a while back. I focused on draining that color. Wait, uh, I can drain the color? Why do I know that it can... Uh, uh, that's different. Seems like manipulation will also change the color of the mana I touch. Weird, and it takes a lot of effort to do. 
but with how little tinting there is, it's not really too much effort, except for a little sweat. However, I can feel the effort draining me. If I can't do this soon, I'll probably not be able to do it for a while, since AP doesn't come back for more than uh, five per minute, if my calculations with Con are correct. Anyway, I turn my focus away from myself and back towards almost the white ethereal mass and direct it towards the one outlying end. As soon as it touches the mass, the connection immediately thinned, and I could feel the sucking sensation rapidly dwindling my core. No crapper! Compression! That helps with regen. Just force it into the tiniest that you can make it. It, uh... While my core is strained, the compression just forces the outside shell to go towards where the drainage has caused the source to shrink. However, it helps. Somewhat. The drainage still occurs. Though, as time goes on, my compression gets further and further. There comes a point where an equilibrium occurs. However, this equilibrium causes concern. It is shrunk from perhaps the size of a car to the size of a marble. If I were to use meditation to inspect it further... It still shines as bright, but I think if anything were to happen when I was composed too much, no, don't want to think about brain consequences since even its core is inside my head. After a couple minutes, the pull slows to a stop. The connection is still there and I can still feel the pull, but it's not actively taking anything anymore. That's good. I slowly release my compression, watching as it fills up the core with somewhat sandy energy. I open my eyes to find that the panel has come back to life, with many of the blinking lights back on and the gears inset in the sides beginning to turn rapidly once more. I also notice, in addition to the moving scenery through the window in front of me, that I'm entirely covered with sweat. Damn, Koja, how long was I doing that? I turn to find the dog back on the top of the sunroof, poking his head out into the evening sky. His ears seem to perk up as I said something, and he's brought his head back inside. It started back up a while ago, but it's been getting faster. It is as pretty steady pace now. I figured I should enjoy this while you did what you had to do. I eyed him inquisitively, or at least I hoped I did. I never was able to move my eyebrows all that well. Well, do you see anything up there? The windows inside this cockpit area are mostly pointed down, so I can't see the horizon all that well. It was perhaps the most boring way of watching the scenery go by, but I figured that it was the only way to talk to people just walking around. When you have something elevated as this, it's kind of imperative to know if something's going to get in your way of your legs. Uh, treads. No, definitely legs, even if the whole thing was built like a tank. Got to stick to what it has rather than what it might have. There was better windows to look out of in the bedrooms where one could actually see the horizon but I felt like being near the control panel, even if I didn't know how to operate it. Would be better if in case of emergencies. However, my musing seemed interrupted as Kojo answered my question. Besides some trees, grasses, and flowers, not much. I mean, there are mountains ahead, but there is a bit of ways away. I think if I can strain my eyes, I can see some houses, or maybe barns are a better word. Wait, there's a carriage. My eyes widened a bit. It had been a while since we saw any travelers. Most were coming from the other direction. And while I know there's some sort of ceremony to perform with travelers, we simply didn't have the time. So we simply passed them by. You sure? Is it coming in our direction or heading away? 
We've passed by a couple now, and even just some people riding on their own beasts. So we have to know this for sure. If it is going away from us, make sure that the steed is a pillbog rhino. What? Damn, must have talked too much for him. Um, let's see. What did he have confusion about? Was it my colloquialism? I turned towards the now indoors Kojo. The Armul Raptor. His eyes almost seemed to shine for a second as he gazed at me, before bringing his head back out of the cockpit. That's, um, quite specific. Usually others just notice the shell and call them alpacas. Quite surprised you figured out his specific origins. Anyways, the steed appears to be an alpacas, but I can't tell if it's an Armul Raptor, or even if it's a Rolron, or not from this distance. Really? Wait... Is alpacas just another word for steed? Or is it something like a shell steed? No. Focus. Learning something important. That's his name. Good to know. How close are we to catching up with him? His tail seems still as his legs stiffen to bring most of his body outside the hole. Seems a fair bit away, but the distance is shrinking. So we're catching up then. Soon we'll find out whether or not we've caught the kidnapper. Then we'll just get closer until you can tell. Just tell me when you can clearly see it. He didn't make any noticeable movements, but I could tell that he heard me, his tail wagging softly. All right. His voice was resolute. That tone, this, moments like this, it reminds me of Bat Beck. Damn it. Sad now. Just focus on view. See the rolling ground as progress. Each rock passed, each pebble kicked up. It's just a reminder that we're getting close. I see them. They're, they're traveling away from us. Well, that's good news. Now I know that my hope hasn't been misplaced just yet, but uh, we have to make sure. Is it an AR? AR. Oh, abbreviations, yes. Uh, yes, it is, but I don't know if it's Rolron specifically. We're not really downwind. I smiled a little bit. It's nice to know that even with a new language, I'm still teaching him a thing or two. However, my smile faded as I noticed one specific detail in the exchange. You need to smell him to know. His tail stiffened. In fact, he became unnaturally still before letting every ounce of stress in him dissipate away. Huh. Wonder why. All beasts have smells special to them. As special as their names. That is the way. Oh, cool. Wonder what my smell would be to him. No, focus, stop drifting, need a plan. With our current pace, we might overtake them. Maybe pull on the connection rather than push. It's better than nothing. Should Kojo meet them? No. Uh, people treat animals differently, and I'd rather have the trump card for later. All right, I'll try slow down the manor. Maybe we'll slow down and keep pace, and then I'm heading up there. Don't think that we want our first impression to be a warrior that you are. Are you sure of your footing? There's not many holds up here. As long as I hold on to the rim of the sunroof, I should be fine. Keep silent when we get there. I'll try to buy some time so that you can get a whiff. With that, I pulled Kojo down into the belly of the beast, as I used him as a footstool up. I clambered along the sides of the hole and finally reached the last rung of the ladder that led to the lobster mech. The first view I had when I breached the hole of the roof was a cyan sky, slowly leading to the auburns upon the horizon. I brought my head down from the clouds and saw the grass whizzing by and the trees in the distance almost at a standstill as we went parallel towards the mountains ahead. And there, driving upon the side of the road, was a caravan.
They looked like ours, except there wasn't any of the old Marwall's mercantile logos embossed on the sides. The alpacas had led it to look like a rhino pull bug, but it could be another rhino pull bug. And there, leading the thing, was a driver. I couldn't tell from this distance but they, what they looked like. I could barely see the hands holding the reins, while the rest was shrouded by the caravan's size. I concentrated on pulling mana instead of giving it, and I felt the mana siphon, siphon activate in conjunction. The pull was far greater than the push, and I could noticeably tell that the fast pace that we had ourselves had gone down to a regular jogging speed. I stopped then and there and hollered out to the caravan and head. Hello there! At first I don't think they heard me, but then I could tell that the caravan had slowed to a near stop from the pace that it set, and then I was finally able to see the driver. As they leaned out the side, it was not a cobalt, in fact it was an ev, quite possibly the most normal looking one that I'd ever beheld that wasn't a child. It had the same pointed ears, the same facial structures, where the nose was slightly higher and more indented, and the same eyes, which looked to be a tad bigger than normal ones I'd seen so far. The second thing I noticed was that this was an old woman. She had a wrinkled skin, furrowed brow, and perhaps the oddest hairdo that I'd seen in a while. Looked like a bee's nest, the damn thing. Hello, dearie, quite the contraption you got there. Her words brought me out of my introspections as I realized that yes, I'd got myself into a conversation. She probably wasn't the one who took credence, because I doubt credence would have been able to fight off an old lady. But now that I was humoring her while Kojo sniffed the air around me while staying underneath. Yeah, a friend of mine inside is powering it. I went to elaborate on what they were doing, but the woman just nodded. Really, huh? The world's changing mighty fast these days. Her eyes almost gained a saddened look as she tore her gaze away from the vehicle and back up towards my frame. At this point, we had come to the same pace as the caravan, with the legs slowly scuttling across the ground. So I was able to take her in entirely. Her dress was perhaps the most worn-out thing that I had seen so far. Either it was the only thing she had on her, or it was the most well-known piece of clothing that she had. Where are you heading? The question didn't seem to face her, as she brought her towards the mountains ahead, while points towards it. The mountain city up yonder, visiting a young'uns. Got to tell them about what happened recently. Ha! Huh. There's an accent coming through. Why is there an accent coming through, and why can I tell that it's an accent, wait? Uh, is she from Erinid, or one of those other small towns surrounding it? Did you leave Erinid? Last I heard, they were having a party of the century there. She seemed almost to sigh as she gazed behind us, before bringing her head back towards my eyes. Yes, I couldn't stay for the sudden festival. It's not too often the Korup laws are dealt with, but I just had to tell my family up yonder. They some special merchants deal with nobles a lot, they do. The answer seemed to fill the gaps in my knowledge somewhat, but if she was a merchant, then why the shoddy clothing? Ah, so you're not a merchant. She shook her head as she took out a couple tools in her hand and held them up towards me. No, just a wooden stone carver. Ah, it was a whittling knife and some kind of chisel. Huh, imagine that. She put her tools back into her side pack and looked back up towards me. What about you? Her sudden question seemed to catch me off guard as I wasn't expecting a change in conversation flow. I was quickly trying to think of an answer while I hemmed and hard. Hmm? My putting off answering seemed to her to be another question in and of itself as she opened her mouth. Why are you traveling to Jaloon? I had to have an answer, but then I realized I could try and copy hers a bit. 
Then I realized I could just try and twist the truth and judge her reaction of it. There were crimes committed during the festival. There were reports of stolen goods and peoples from the underneath. Even some people had gone missing in some inns. And I'm here to try and track the letter two down. And maybe warn the city about stolen goods that might be sold. At this, I tried to maintain a nonchalance as I studied her face. While bluffing and lying your way through a conversation, you've received the skill of deception. Deception, level 11, 22 out of 100%, cost 0 and 5 AP. There are times when people want to be left alone, where the constant bothering about truth and the incessant investigations can leave one mad. Where you simply do not care about the situation at hand, but fear how others might know your inner thoughts. For those who guard their hoard of knowledge with the greed of a dragon, and for those who simply do not want to deal with the truths of life, the skill is for you. This skill can be used passively or actively. When used passively, there is basically an added knowledge as to what someone might believe or what they might want to hear. When used actively, common cues and phrases will be pulled from and provided for added ease. With further leveling, others may believe your lies and deception more easily. Note, for being a unique species, you gain the starting level of 10 due to others not knowing your cues. That's nice. And the note is a bit concerning to me, but not now. I can't get distracted from the current conversation. Ah, the sheriff then. Well, I hope you find what you're looking for. Um, I'm sorry, but is there a reason you keep looking at me like that? Her face didn't seem to be lying to me. For trying to see if someone is turning the truth, you receive the skill Inspection. Inspection, level 1, 60 out of 100%. Cost 2 AP. There are often times where the inner mind of a person needs to be pierced, where a simple look at their face is not enough. However, mind reading isn't something that is easy to do, nor is it widely known ability that people can get, unless, of course, they're simply born with it. For those without the knowledge or ability, this is the best skill for them. This skill will let one know the intentions of the individual and allow the one holding the skill to know the subtle cues between different people as well as the general ones belonging to their species. With further leveling, an instant knowledge of what anyone might be thinking about can be required. Note, know that the skill can sometimes get things incredibly wrong due to competing skill abilities, so it is best not to completely rely on it with discerning truth in matters. A surprise, a better welcome one. However, I need to word why I'm staring at her for lying. Maybe an actual truth. Sorry, just I'd never met one of your, um, affinity before. It was true. I never really saw an ev without much anything attached to them, or growing from them. Hell, anytime I saw one, it was pretty obvious what affinity they had. However, she didn't seem to have anything, so my curiosity did peak somewhat in that direction. Her eyes gained a hint of understanding as she nodded towards me, before pulling out something from a pack yet again. Ah, I have one, it's just not for those natural inclinations with a change of use elves. It's more towards a knife and cutting things. Wait, something important just happened. You can get an infinity for weapons. My question seemed to go in one ear and out the other, as she finally retrieved a somewhat longer knife than the wood carving one that she had before, as well as a piece of wood with bark still attached. Some do, but they are harder to find than the others, though. Ah, interesting. I picked a glance towards the wolf at my feet, but he made no motion as to recognizing the scent. This woman had no involvement with our kidnapper quarry. Hell, her skills are genuine too, as she gets to using the skills to carve right now. But I guess I can say that I learned something new today. Forgive me for taking up your time. 
The monotony of the landscape and the quiet nature of my driver have me often starving company. I didn't mean to interrupt your travels. I apologized. I bowed my head and her direction, and I began to prepare myself to push more mana into the connection which I had. It was not trouble, then. It saved travels, then. Hope that the path finds you well. Her eyes came up from the piece of wood that she was working on to lock onto mine, while they seemed to sparkle at me before she bowed her head in my direction. Huh. Must be a religious thing. Well, it's only right to do it back. And you as... It's him! I was interrupted by Kojo yelling below me. As he pounced directly to the top of the hall, clearing of the almost twelve feet leap easily. Immediately, I hardened my gaze towards the old woman. Appearances, I suppose, can be deceiving. But a confusion at the talking animal gave me all the time I needed to turn towards Kojo and gave him the most important order I could. Kojo! My credence. At that, I pulled myself out of the hole and leapt towards the familiar buggy as I latched up to the roll-rawn. To his surprise, a weight on his back must have startled him a lot as he started to speed off. But his transformation into a wheel knocked me on the top of the canvas covering the wagon. Dazed as I was, I watched the lobster mech falter behind me and brought myself back to a standing position to face the front of the wagon, all the while pushing mana into the connection to keep up with the now speeding animal. As I heard cursing below me, in a voice with distinctly no accent at all, I felt the mana connection supply to the lobster disappear. Crap! Guess I gotta do this on my own. Kojo watched as the vehicle sped off away from them. He was sure that Dave had a plan. He almost always did when it concerned combat. However, now that he was somewhat doubting the intelligence that he'd put stuck for him, because a certain point tipped over, the sudden speed of the metal carriage dropped entirely, leaving Kojo utterly alone. He chuffed as he brought himself back down into the carriage and looked towards the front end. None of the machinations within it were working anymore. There wasn't anything giving off light, not whirring, and Kojum had not the fondest idea of how any of it worked. He thought back to the last words that he heard from his friend before bringing himself to face the bedroom, and through the open doorway, the collapsed lizard still slumbering away. Yes, the only option I have is to try and wake the lazing lizard. He sighed to himself. He walked over towards the downed lizard and struck him in the leg with the sharpest thorn that he could make. A yell went off as he sat down before the now awake lizard. His thoughts towards the situation were made plain to hear, as the lizard was brought down from the pain that he had felt into a wakeful world around him, jabbering about why he was woken up so forcefully. Just start the damn garage already. Dave went off on his own and found Marwall. He needs help. The jabbering stopped and the grumbling ceased as Credence finally came to the realization that yes, he was needed. All right then, let's do some magic. End of chapter. This is a special thank you to the one, the only, the legendary Erak Hino who has become the only Tier 6 patron. I just want to thank the T5 patrons and channel members. Bob the Dragon, Cam Maxwell, Casper Arnholtz, Australia the Dreamer, Trigan 95, Pudic Yol, Meridian 117, Elithia, Jordan Buxborn, Angry Marine, Albarden Gaster, and Barky. Thank you very much. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. There are links down below, both to support this channel and for the author of this fiction. Anyways, I hope you all have a fantastic one, and I'll see you next time. Cheers.